Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock. Sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Oh, that was almost ASMR this week, Ben. But your look, Benjamin, with three weeks to go until Halloween, what better time of the year to say Happy Christmas? Because we've got a load of things to look at this week, including the beekeeper, Jason Statham, is John Wick, but also Silent Night, Joel Cinema Man, is John Wick, but at Christmas. But also, it's a wonderful knife. Do you get it? I got it. It's a slasher, but it's like a wonderful life. And I've seen Loki season two, episode one. There's more for you to do, Michael. Am I doing grabbers as well? Not for fuck's sake. Ladies and gentlemen, sure, listen, if that wasn't enough. What? What? It really isn't. I've got a retraction to make because I was an absolute dickbag to one of our listeners. Sorry, Cron. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. And as part of our Spooktober special, Things Go Bump in the Night, this week we're taking a look at the 2012 film Grabbers, starring noted Irishman, not Irishman, Richard Coyle. Not even remotely Irish. And yes. if that wasn't enough horror for your pipes, yes, stick this in it. Spiders, they're terrifying. Why? They're going up your leg. Into your into your trousers, up your shirt. Terrible. Yeah. Oh. Speaking of arthropods, Ben. Yeah. This week, everybody wants to be John Wick. This week, Michael, Jason Statham saw Keanu Reeves and said, I could do that. Oh, I could do that. I'm not even as old as Keanu Reeves. Oh, I'll bloody do that. I'll do that my whole career. Whoa. Yeah, so Ben, he's he's taking down scammers, but very posh scammers. Come here to me, Michael. This fucking this might as well have been called January sixth. The trailer. Go on. Um, there is there is a very unique aesthetic at play in this trailer. I think the premise is simple. Jason Statham is some kind of agent ultra. Yes, but he's outside the command system. Ben. Yes, so he seems to be. A United States failsafe for when the government has become untenable. That—that That is to say, Michael, that moral corruption has seeped into every inch of Washington. Ben, I thought that was just fat blokes with guns. Yeah, on January 6th. Oh, I see what you've done. So what I what I find quite insidious about this trailer, Michael, is it's heavily implied that the US government is morally corrupt in well, the extreme. Ben, Ben. ben. The US government is morally corrupt. <laughs> yeah. Ben, I don't want to I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But the US government is morally corrupt, Ben. <laughs> Fuck American imperialism, ladies and gentlemen. Worst but, bunch of fucking lads. What I think is extra interesting about this, Michael, is it seems to be a little yes, bit on. like Violence does sort out the the governmental corruption that you see. And perhaps if you don a baseball cap, wear it low over your eyes with a hoodie under some kind of work shirt, you too could set Washington to rights. Yeah, Benjamin, I don't think we have any issue with the fact that the American government is morally corrupt because they definitely are. They definitely are. I think the issue is that that appears to be you can solve that by violence and beating people up, especially foreign people. It feels like it's pandering to a demographic that gets an awful lot of pandering these days. Doesn't it? Doesn't it a little bit? 
Doesn't it so, a little bit, Benjamin? It's big finance and big government that are holding down the little gun owner. Yep. Yep, that's what it is. That's what it is. Come here to me, Michael. One of my favourite things about this is it adopts a theme and then jumps the shark with it fairly quickly. In the beginning, he enjoys keeping bees. Fair enough. So maybe that's his code name. Maybe he takes that. No, it turns out that the beekeepers are a US US state initiative. And the motto is, I protect the hive. Oh, very good. The the hive mind. Yes, the hive mind, Michael. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Twitter. Fucking absolute horse shittery. But look, it looks it looks pretty slick though. It does look very slick. It's very John Wick. Michael, this has a touch of a lot of the blockbusters that we've seen over the last couple of years. There's there's not even over the last couple of years, there's some very classic ones. Jeremy Irons seems to be playing a Hans Gruber of sorts. Mm, very good. Yeah. We've got a little bit of a classic slimy finance bro vibe going. Yeah, yeah, they're one of the people you have to take down when you're a small gun owner. Yes, when you're a small gun owner in the United States, the only thing that's going to get in your way is big business and big government. And finance, big finance. And finance, big and finance. Get them all. And foreigners as well. Get, and, and those goddamn foreigners. Michael, this, the, the character in this... That Jason is Statham. kind of... the Yeah, no, but the, the finance bro character... No, not Jason Statham. He's not a character. Not, not Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. He's, I, do you know the actor I'm talking about when I say there is, a, there is an actor that generally gets these roles all of the time? His name is Ben Schwartz. Yes, he's a character actor. He must have been busy for this film because that role was definitely written for Ben Schwartz. He played John Ralphio on Parks and Rec, ladies and gentlemen. Was if that you're not, not sure Ben Schwartz in that trailer? It's not Ben Schwartz in the trailer. I thought it was. That's what ben. I mean. He must have been busy. I, I thought it was. Maybe it was too low a budget. Maybe they couldn't afford John Ralphio. Ben, anyway, look, some of the most egregiously right-wing lunatic films of recent years have still been quite good. I'm not saying they can't be, Michael. I just, I take, I, I suppose I take a bit of a moral quandary with the notion of pandering to an extreme right demographic. I just don't know yeah. if that's, if yeah, that's a safe stuff. play for money. I, I don't <laughs> I can't watch something like this and not immediately be reminded of Taken. The whole message of Taken is don't let your good, honest American daughter go to Europe because they're all murderists and drug rapists. And probably Muslim. And probably Muslim as well. <laughs> but that's more of an undercurrent. <laughs> that's, that's more of a subtle undercurrent. Except for the thing with the sheik on the boat and all that. Michael, do you know what else you shouldn't do? What should you not do? Raise a family in a gang gun-toting neighbourhood. Yeah, how come his garden's so nice in that gang neighbourhood? <laughs> Michael, we got a trailer for Silent Night, which is the first of our Yuletide-themed horror shows. It's Yuletide horror for all the family, Benjamin. I didn't think this was called Silent Night. I thought this was called Christmas Punisher. I, I thought it was called Silent Knife, and then I realised I mixed it up with the other Christmas horror film that we have, It's a Wonderful Knife. No. Very confusing. So, Very Ben, this confusing. stars your favourite action man and mine, Joel Cinema Man. Yes, Joel Kinnan. Kinnan. I can never say his. Joel Kinnan. from the famous Dublin Kinnan crime family. Oh, that's us gone, Michael. You've just put us on the radar. Oh, are we? Oh, brilliant. Finally, we're on the radar. Great stuff. Ben, so what was I saying? I was saying that Joel Kinnaman Man, Joel Cinema Man, 
he's uh he's Frank Castle. Mm. And his son is killed oh. by gangs. Oh no. And he's gonna get revenge on them with the revenge and John Woo. Yeah, he should. Yeah, John Woo's back, Michael. John now Ben, why does this feel less right wing? Um, mainly because he's, nobody's wearing a baseball cap, Michael, and a hoodie with an, a, a work shirt of some sort over it. <laughs> I don't think it is, because it's still pretty right wing. It's still beating up gangs. Yeah, no, this is this is classic pandering to the right as opposed to the alt right. Um, oh, the extreme right. Okay, <laughs> the extreme right, Michael. This is just a classic case of those damn Latinos coming in here, <laughs> killing our little boys. Shooting up our little boys in our little oasis of Barbie land in the middle of this gang territory. <laughs> Taking our vocal cords and shooting up our little boys. Uh, it's it's bizarre, Michael. So I didn't realise, you, you brought this to my attention. I didn't realise that at one point, Joel Kinahan is clearly shot straight through the throat. Yeah, through the vocal cords. It's through the vocal cords. Hence, Silent Night, Michael. Joan Kinahan is now a silent assassin. Yeah. And Ben, you know what the worst thing about it is? Go that on. was chosen just so they could call the film this. Michael, this is the second instance today of sticking to a theme so much that you jumped the shark. It's just like, <laughs> name your film what it is. I have a name for a film. It's called Silent Night. Write the film. I think they just have one of those classic bingo bins, you know, that you spin and then you lift the ball out of, and it's just Christmas carols <laughs> and a th- and a genre. They've two of them, oh, and they roll good. them around and they just lift them out. And sometimes you get a classic rom com and uh, deck the halls, and it's about an ex prize fighter oh, who's good. down on his luck, and he moves back to his small town and falls in love with the local baker. Oh, the baker, uh, Sharon Halls. Sharon Halls, yeah, and Deck the Halls, and there you go. Then it becomes a story about domestic abuse, because Deck the Halls heavily leads you in that direction. (laughs) We shouldn't laugh at domestic abuse, Ben, but that was Sometimes, sometimes, we shouldn't, you're right, Michael, we shouldn't. And sometimes... we can. (laughs) We can. Somebody says, John Wick, but with Silent Night. Do that for me. Yeah. Yeah, and Joel Cinema Man. Look, anyway, Ben, looks all right, looks passable. There's a lot of John Wicks out this week. Uh, include? Well, not including, but Michael, I have to pick up on one more little note there. One oh, more little it? note. Nothing has ground my gears more this week than the tagline for Silent Night, which is, sometimes actions speak louder than revenge. And what? Michael, all of the no, actions ben. are revenge. Ben, that's not- that's not right. What You've is it? You've misread that. I what don't know, it? but it's definitely not that. It, it, You've it, misread that. Hang on, I'll get it up on the poster. You spin your wheels. Are you sure it's not revenge speaks louder than words? I don't think so. Okay. I You're, think it was stupider than that. <laughs> your thesis is that the tagline of this film, this John Woo film with Joel Cinnamon Man, is actions speak louder than revenge. That's I'm your thesis ha- here. I'm going to have to find a way to look this up. Hang on. I'm I'm work- okay. I'm doing my best. We're going to look it up, ladies and gentlemen, because that is definitely not the tagline of this I'm going to do my best here. Hold it on. definitely, revenge speaks louder than words. Nah. How could it not be, revenge nah. speaks louder than words? Nah. I think it's, I think it's, actions speak louder than revenge, Michael. This is, is it- top... Class podcasting. No, hang on. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find any piece of merchandise that doesn't involve me watching the bloody trailer. 
Then revenge. Oh, this is very frustrating, Michael. I nearly have it. But revenge is the last part. Hold on. This Christmas. Bear with me. <laughs> Nothing yeah. speaks louder yes. than revenge. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Nothing speaks louder than revenge. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it to hell. <laughs> You absolute guinness. I can't believe we wasted <laughs> 10 minutes of my life on fucking what, what is it? What is a guinness? I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows. I think it's well, just, I'd uh, love to know. You call me it often enough that I'd really like to know it, at some point. It's just point. a Dublin expression for some sort of a fool or a, or a Jessup. If anyone could get in touch with us, ladies and gentlemen, and descri- describe what Michael keeps calling me, that would be great. <laughs> anyway, I have ben, no idea. Look, that was fabulous. I'm going to have to edit a lot of that down into something listenable for the listeners. But ladies and gentlemen, do please bear in mind that that was Fun. 10 minutes of real-time internet browsing. Ben, speaking of wishing someone never existed, have you ever seen the film It's a Wonderful Life? I've yeah, it's great, Michael. It's, it's Jimmy Stewart. All right, and what's going on with him? Oh, everything's terrible at Christmas, Michael. Oh, yeah? And yeah. what happens? And then it's so bad that I wish I didn't exist, Michael. Oh, well, I think I might be able to arrange that for you. Cracks knuckles, said Clarence the Angel. And then he decks the halls. And that's Deck the Halls, the precursor to the domestic violence epic. This Deck the Halls. I don't know, Ben. So anyway, Ben, uh, you're not really playing ball here. So It's a Wonderful Life, Ben. It's a famous film from the 50s. I gave you amazing. They just gave you the entire plot in a Jimmy Stewart accent. Jimmy Stewart accent. So, It's a Wonderful Life is a famous film from the 50s, 40s? 50s. F- 50s, I think. I don't know. 56, let's say. And, um, okay. Like, it probably is. And like um, like everything else these days, Ben, It's a Wonderful yes. Knife is a Hollywood reimagining of that, but as a slasher film. Yeah, Michael. So this is this is another entry. 1946, Michael. You had the right last digit, but mm. uh, 1946, a little bit earlier than you had in mind. But Michael, this is another entry into the bizarre sci-fi com slasher genre. Great, um, loving it. Yeah. So we just got totally killer, which was effectively panned across the board, Michael, as a soulless cash grab with little to no originality involved. Oh no! Is it out? It's out. It's it's out. It's been out. Been out a hot oh, minute, Michael. I didn't see it. Yeah, oh, been out a hot notice. minute, and uh, it okay. has been largely panned, Michael, uh, because it follows on from well, Happy shame. Death Day and Freaky, the the films that we've previously discussed in this genre. And now we have another one, Michael. Except this time they've gone. Oh well, okay, we'll get a serial killer, but we'll do It's a Wonderful Life because that'll get us Christmas money and Halloween money. Oh, double whammy! Like at the Nightmare Before Christmas. But I tell you what, Michael, this one looks a little bit more interesting. Because it's got your favourite in it. Justin Roiland. Justin Roiland is in there. No, Justin Long, Michael. Noted, noted kind of dorky character actor Justin Long has popped up in this. But this time, Michael, he's a serial killer. I think, isn't he he often? He's in a lot of horrors, Justin Long. Uh, yeah, he's popping up there. I think it's a lucrative market for him. Like it, all the way back in, all the way back to Jeepers Creepers, 
Like he oh, was yeah, the of course. He was in Jeepers Creepers back in the day, Michael. So he's always been a fan of of taking an old yes, fashioned horror role. Um, sometimes he takes bizarre ones like Tusk. Um, yeah, Tusk was weird and Barbarian. And Barbarian was also weird, man. So Justin Justin mm. Long loves a weird horror, and this is no different. He plays he plays White Knight, I think is the name of the no the White Angel or something. Something I, like I don't, that, yeah. It's a clue I don't know clan. what the serial killer is called, but I, I quite like the conceit in this, Michael, that she pulls a pulls a Jimmy Stewart, wishes yes. she'd never been born. She stops the serial killer very quickly and effectively the first time. Mm. Um, just gives him the clamps. Yeah, gives him the old clamps. And fries him. I really enjoyed that. I found that very satisfying to watch, Michael. And then she only goes and wishes herself out of existence. And then the universe, which is apparently a cold, heartless, unempathetic being that really delivers wishes willy-nilly, Michael, regardless of the positivity of the outcome, just goes, okay, yeah, cool. Zing, zing. And uh, she's never born. And then she's uh, she's kind of transported back to a timeline where the mayor, who is the serial killer, has run amok. He's running the town ragged. Yeah, he killed someone a month. Great. Ben, very similar to a conceit, a classic conceit from an episode of Buffy Vampire. Where, on, um, more. where Cordelia wished that Buffy had never come to town. Yeah, that wasn't a great move, was it? No, everyone was full of vampires. Everyone everyone was full of vampires. Chuck to Benjamin, the brim. Is her, da- is her dad in this, is it Joel McHale from TV and film? Yes, it's Joel McHale from TV and film. Very good. Just I think he's the only McHale. person on the cast I recognised. What about Justin Long? Oh yeah, other than Justin Long, obviously. Other than Justin Long, that's good. I it, it looks enough, fun. Not that long. Yeah. I think the the interesting thing about this one, Michael, is the, the the fact that she knows who the killer is the whole time. I think one of the big frustrations of the new sci-fi slasher genre is the fact that quite often the killer remains a mystery, and they're supposed to be a detective. And kind of figure out who it is. I think there's something much more sinister in being like, "Oh no, it's the mayor," because I know this because I stopped him last time, um, and, and then he just gets him. to run amok. And look at him! Look at his terrible makeup and his sliminess. Look at him! He's a bloody weasel. He's a little weaselly fella. It's it's just in long off television. One of the biggest stretches, I think, in all of these films, Michael, is quite often we we have that kind of character of the serial killer who knows you know. And then smugly wears it as kind of a badge of pride and a wink, wink. We both know I'm the killer. Whereas in real life, if someone started acting that smarmy, the police officer would be like, oh, it's you. You're the serial killer. All right. I saw that wink. Get him in cuffs, boys. Tell that to Charles Manson then. Yes. Well, I suppose. I sp- oh, well, that's very serious, Michael. You've, you've, you've brought a very serious tone to this podcast. <laughs> oh, now, I've brought it down. Have I? I've brought it down from your jokes about yeah. domestic abuse. Ah, well, now there's a line, Michael. There's a line. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of there being a line, do you mean there's one <laughs> true good. timeline? Yeah. Because I've seen Loki season two, episode one, which is out this week. It was out this week, Michael. Come here to me. It was out on, it was out on Friday. It's out on Friday. I also saw it on Friday when it came out. In a rare moment right, of... Riddle, riddle me this then, Ben. Riddle me yeah. this. Riddle me this, Ben. Ben, our, our internet connection's a bit slow. We're talking over each other more than usual. Yes. Um, riddle me this, Ben. Mm. Did you like it? I did. It was pretty good, wasn't it? It was, it was pretty damn 
good, Michael. I like it. you know it. what it had? What did it have? A little bit of visual flair. <laughs> Michael, it had a proper visual identity throughout. It didn't it? It did. And that was so weird to see from a Marvel thing. Because normally, Michael, if it's not grey uh, office corporate paint, then they're not interested. Yeah. Remember uh, Secret Wars? Remember, Secret the enti- <laughs> Remember the entirety, Michael, of Civil War, the film? Yeah, but that was on purpose. Civil yes. War isn't to be blamed because that was the point of Civil War. Civil War was supposed to be like that. And Civil War caused a lot of the rest of it. I feel. Yes, because it was successful and they took the wrong message as Hollywood. Oh, classic Hollywood! (laughs) Bloody Hollywoodn't, Ben, am I right? (laughs) Very good. Um, Um, Come here to me. Anyway, yeah. You know what else it had, Ben? (laughs) You know what else it had? Fucking internet connection. Fuck's sake, (laughs) Colopy. You know what else it had? What? A bit of tension. Michael, there was a genuine bit of mystery built up and plotting by the looks of it. People, I was upset about people's fates. Ah, uh, Michael, this is by. Do you know what I? Do you know what I realised watching this, Michael? There was only six episodes of Loki season one. Is that all? A tight six, Michael. Oh, that's too short. No, it's not. I think it was great, and Michael, I hope to see a tight six again. But come here. You're absolutely right. One of the things I found myself surprisingly doing while watching this was caring about the characters. Very upsetting. So unusual. <laughs> so unusual, Michael. Do you know do you know a point where my heart leapt and little spoilers here for Loki. Well, do you want to do do you want to do our classic give it a rundown then do some spoilers before I jump sure. in? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So this has great acting from yes. our cast. It has really fun sci-fi conceits. Go on. It has genuine tension, Michael. A bit of tension. Genuine tension. You are genuinely invested in Loki's fate as a variant. There is a genuine risk one way or the other to Loki as a variant. And it, do- it if they don't succeed, it doesn't end the series. So... You don't get that security of, well, they're hardly going to kill Loki off, are they? Because that's not what will go wrong if they don't get this right. Mm. And I, I think it just plays out very well, Michael. I think it's just yeah, done. it does. And you know what else it has? Go on. A visual identity. Michael, it has a clear visual brand. Ben, this was a half the cost of Secret Wars, Secret Invasion. Shocking. How did they fuck that so badly? Um. I think they just have a good creative team behind this one, Michael. Is that what it is? I think it might be. It's it's the first thing. And I, I it didn't grip me straight away because now a Marvel project is like a DC TV project to me. It just it doesn't excite me anymore. It's like a CW TV project yeah, at this point. I'm like. about as excited about a new Disney Plus Marvel show as I would be about season six of The Flash. Which is sad. Yeah. But this actually managed to grip me. It it got past my first 10 minutes of going, do I care about this? And I was going, quickly pull Loki out of the thingamajigger before he gets discombobulated. <laughs> oh, Mobius, you better get a fucking move on, son. You better... Get a move on. <laughs> Why are you walking so slow, Owen Wilson? Stop saying wow and speed yourself up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Go faster. Wow. 
Time space continuum. Wow. Fabulous stuff, Ben. Um, Fabulous stuff. Fabulous. Could not care less about Sylvie. I I don't know. A little part of me was excited to see the glimpse of Sylvie that we got. Oh, go on. I just think it was done very well. There's uh, Michael, there's a there's a 2-minute sequence where Loki finds himself walking down a hall with a phone ringing in the background, and it was the most anticipation a Marvel show has ever built in me. Mm, very exciting. I was so excited to see what Loki was moving towards. I didn't know if it would be a Kang. I didn't know if it would be a Sylvie. I didn't know if it would be a Thor or a variant. Who knew? Who bloody knew? You know who it could have been? Go on. Man of the moment, Kihi Kwan. It bloody was, in some cases. It was. Some yeah, cases. Some places. One yeah. of my, my favourite... All right, we're going to go into full spoilers here, Michael, because oh, I, I think okay. some of my favourite moments deserve... A good explanation. Uh, can you say the name again for me, Michael, so I don't get it wrong? Uh, Data from the Goonies. That's not it, yeah, dick. Um, he's playing the same character. But he is essentially playing the same character, Michael. There's a phenomenal sequence where uh, the, the, the central kind of sci-fi conceit of the first episode, Michael, is that Loki has become untethered in time. Oh, that sounds unfortunate. It does indeed, and it is. It's unheard of within the TVA, Michael. Hmm. He's become quantumly disentangled. And Michael, my favourite thing is, several possible explanations are posited by Mobius, by uh, OB, Ouroboros. And my favourite thing about it, Michael, is none of them are ever confirmed. It's just like, yeah, maybe. It could be that. Maybe. It could be that. It's all wibbly-wobbly. It's all wibbly-wobbly stuff. territory now. Oh, Michael, they've embraced it. Whole hog. There were three or four sequences in this, and I was like, I've seen that in a Doctor Who episode. I definitely have. But I'm not mad. I'm not mad, Michael. Yeah. Everyone was just 20% more British. Yeah. Michael, one of my favourite things is the conversation that Ouroboros or OB has with himself, where he's slowly remembering things, going, oh, no, wait, hang on, I have, I have done this before. And then he lifts up the MacGuffin that they need yeah, for the episode. Stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff, Michael. And Mobius cops it very quickly. He's like, "Oh, I see what's I see what's going." Wow, he's wow. back there. Wow, and it's a whole thing. Very enjoyable. Some great stuff, Michael. I enjoyed seeing more of the ineptitude of the TVA higher ups. The war room Absolute was an enjoyable sequence. Useless fuckers. You know what I liked about that war room sequence? Go on. That one of the one of the um, the. The higher ups, one of the useless higher ups, was a woman in some way differently abled, and it was just played for a fact. Yeah, there was no question. It yeah, it wasn't played up like you might see now, where it's like, oh, she's in this position even though she's disabled, or it wasn't played for grotesquery like it would have been in the nineties, like say in Twin Peaks where she would have been, like, speaking in reverse and doing terrifying claw hands. Or also have it heavily implied that they were sinister in some way simply because they were differently abled. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. No, it was much nicer to see that kind of representation. We've seen that actress before, Michael. I'm just searching for her name here. Um, we've seen her in The Witcher. She was also in The Witcher. She's she in The Witcher? Uh, I tell you, she's one of, she's one of the bookshop then. owners. In the I Witcher. haven't seen her in The Witcher because I've only seen, like, four episodes of The Witcher and I turned it off because it was rubbish. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, the Witcher really wasn't a great show, all in all, Michael. And they got rid of Henry Cavill and pretty much ensured that I'll never watch it again. That's the end of that now, I suppose. That's the end of that. I saw the entire thing, Michael. I, I finished the uh, series. And I have to say, one of the most disappointing ends to an important 
actor's run that I've ever seen. Shocking. Asher looks S- in. The whole yes. thing was rubbish anyway. Let's talk about Loki more, because that's let's, not rubbish. Let's talk about Loki more. I haven't been able to find that woman's name, and now I feel terrible. Um, ah, well, look, just add it to the list. Go on. There's some great moments in this, Michael. Some real living up to his name. Mobius kind of adopted some of the aesthetics of the famous Bond designate creator, Mobius. The time suit and the sci-fi conceit of having to tether Loki, literally. Uh, oh, yeah. In the time stream. All straight from a classic French 60s sci-fi book. Wonderful Benjamin, stuff. I love that big umbu- umbilical. That was a very big umbilical. It was a huge, it was bloody, it was an air duct. Just strapped too to the big. back of Mobius. Yeah, it's too big, it was awkward. Excellent stuff. I liked the humour, I liked the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy style humour of the bit of duct tape over the crack. Very good, yeah. Slapped on, I liked great when, uh, stuff. I liked when Loki was disappearing and everyone was like, that's horrible. I don't yes. want to look at that. <laughs> yeah, you you said it wasn't that bad. <laughs> oh, it's awful! It's like you're by, it's like you're being born and dying all at once. This is like yeah, very horrible, good. very Great. fabulous. Very it was really good. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Then I'm genuinely pleasant, excited for the next episode. What a pleasant surprise! What a pleasant surprise! Mm. Now, Ben. Yeah. Speaking of uh, upsetting people. Oh yeah. I think it's time for Ben's penance. Our weekly segment, Ben's penance. Oh, I like that penance. Benance. Benjamin, you know what you did? What did I do? A few weeks ago, we celebrated our 100th episode by having a special episode called Desert Island Dicks, where we asked the listeners and we said to them, what TV show, movie, comic book and video game? Is that it? Yes. Oh, there was something else. Novel. Novel. Would you take to, you to, take to a desert island? And you asked the listeners across all platforms and all... Um, and all uh, apps and every different available option you ask listeners and then ignored one of them um yeah i did sorry cron um come here to me it wasn't actually yes, that it? wasn't actually the poll i put up on facebook what i asked was who's the biggest dick of the pair of us and oh, yeah. uh, he voted 100% in favor of mick what a twat is what he said <laughs> that's, that's what he said it's written right here in the discord <laughs> is it yeah no he, it really? that's what he that's what he wrote so that's it Oh, no. Uh, no, what he actually said was he picked number one for his movie, Short Circuit, a product of its Classic. time, but I first watched it when I was about five or six, and the magic never left me, which is lovely. Benjamin, Short Circuit and Batteries Not Included basically live together in my brain as one movie of just n- late 80s robots. Yeah. No, it's good. There was a bit of a dark horse pick from the for for the TV series, a very recent TV series, The Old Man on Disney Plus, starring none other than Jeff Bridges. An absolutely phenomenal series, Michael, that I haven't talked about on this podcast, but is very, very good. I've never heard of it, Ben. Do you oh, need Jeff he, Daniels? Uh, no, no, no. It's it's <laughs> uh, Jeff Bridges. Um, Jeff Bridges as John Wick. If John Wick were a bit older. Oh, John Wick is pretty old. It's, but no, this is even older. This is if John Wick was Jeff Bridges' age. Oh, right, okay. Is that why Jeff Bridges plays him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. actually makes sense. Yeah. If they ever want to do a John Wick 87, and at this point that looks to be the way it's going, they'll probably have to get John Br- or Jeff Bridges in at some point. Who else could they get, though? Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson probably isn't doing much. Yeah. No, not since uh, the incident. Not since the incident. Not since the end. He's kind of redeemed himself, though. He was on a special episode of Atlanta, and they actually got was Liam he? Neeson on to discuss that with Brian Tyree Henry. 
get out of here, did they really? Mm. Mm. Oh, interesting. We must do Atlanta at some point, Michael. Anyway, come here to me. Number three, what? comic book series. There's a wonderful book called Skull Kicker. It's a great fantasy-style uh, book series that doesn't take itself too series, uh, seriously and is beautifully drawn too. Now, I thought Skull Kickers, Michael, was one of the spin-offs set within the Black Hammer universe. No, it's not. Because there is uh, one of those, and I can't remember what it's called, Michael, uh, for the life of me. I think that's called Skull Crusher. But Skull Kickers is a really cool comic um, about a kind of a, I guess, it's a little bit adventure timey in a weird way. Um, they're on the hunt for a famous corpse, and the twisted trail they followed is littered with plenty of gravediggers, patchwork zombies, horse thieves, and dark magic. Trust us, skulls will be kicked. If you like D&D or Hellboy... Skull Kickers is waiting for you. I've never heard of this, Michael, but I've literally just looked it up and will be reading it. Looks yeah, you've read great. it out there like you were reading ad copy. We're not sponsored by Skull Kickers, ladies and gentlemen. But if Image Although Comics Skull does Kickers, want to sponsor yeah. us... Yeah, we'll shill anything. Anything you like. You're not even part of a union. <laughs> totally, totally get involved in that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, good pick from Cron there. Very excited to read that myself. Um... The collection of books that he'd like to bring with him is by a Swedish fella called Simon Stalhag. Um, and Which is very interesting, Ben, because I didn't know the Kron could read Swedish. I didn't know that either. I can't. No, neither can I. And so I'll we, tell you what, next time I'm heading down to Ikea, I'm going to bring Kron with me. He can probably like, help you pick out different say? things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, shelf. Yeah. So it's an alternative sure. 80s with dinosaurs and robots. Oh, no, that's not alternative. That just was the 80s. That just was the 80s. I think they're real yeah. in this, though, Michael, like proper and functional. Um, oh, but yeah, come, okay. here, come here to me. Number five, a tough choice, video games. After three seconds of thought, I picked Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, no so surprise there. This. So Kron's from Fallout New Vegas. He, he is. He quite often is. That is what he cosplays as. Kron, I can only deeply apologise for being an unmerciful cunt and not including <laughs> you, Michael. Uh, not including Ukron when we did the episode. I'm very sorry. I hope this in some way makes up for it. And I appreciate you voting for Mick as the biggest twat of the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, that was nice. That, that was, was nice. nice. Now, Ben. Yeah. Speaking of. Go on. No, I can't. I do not have a segue for this. Benjamin, I've had a lovely week. Go on. You know what I've been doing? Dunno. I've just been watching gribbly grobbly B-Monster movie films. Oh, that must have been fun, was it, Michael? It was great. I love gribbly grobbly B-Movie Monster films. Very good stuff. One of my favourites, Ben. Tremors. Tremors is an absolute classic, Michael. They go to a rural community. Yes. That's just going about its business as usual. Right. And then suddenly, a grotesque, worm-like creature emerges, plaguing the town, and it's left up to a band of about two or three intrepid folks who are a bit quirky and dorky at the same time, Michael, to sort it all out. Oh, very good. That sounds fabulous. I'd love to watch a film like that. Do you know what I've always thought, Michael? What have you thought? Ireland would be a great place for a very similar carbon copy-style B-movie of that. (laughs) Well, you know who else thought that, Ben? Go on. I, I don't. The director, John Wright and Kevin Lehane, thought of that, Michael. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't know his name. <laughs> Michael, this week for things that go bump in the night, our seminal Spooktober series. Um, yes. 
we took a look at the 2012 Irish film Grabbers. Uh, for anyone who hasn't been with us, our Things That Go Bump in the Night series is taking a look at the wonderful, often overlooked world of Irish horror. Oh, very good. And you know that this was a is an Irish horror film because the very first thing that appears on screen is paid for by the National Lottery. Yep, that pretty much locks it in. And the Irish Film Board. Yep, they lock it in, Michael. They lock it in. Lock that in there as Irish. Lock ben. that in. Yes. Ben. Yeah? I watched this there the other day. 2012's Grabbers. Yeah. 12? 2012? Was it 2012? 2012. I think it was 2012. And I have to tell you, the first three quarters of this film, a little bit formulaic. Go on. A little bit formulaic. It very much follows the formula of the B-movie monster movie, Gribbly Monster film. Yeah, go on. In that there's a no-nonsense by-the-book outsider teaming up with a local-knowledge alcoholic local and a posh doctor and some local characters. Yeah. And they have scares and spooks and get into scrapes with the monsters and you've got a fish-out-of-water story at the same time as at night people getting knocked off one by one. I don't think it's a fish, Michael. No, it's not a fish in this case. It's some sort of alien graboid. Yes. But um, as a job, as a straight, as a played straight comedy horror monster movie, it's not a bad shot at one. I thought this was great. (laughs) I thought it was rubbish when I saw it in 2012. I hated it when I saw it in 2012. Go on. But... In retrospect, the, we won't get into... Well, we're going we're to spoil this eventually. We won't get into the, the one-note joke that it, it ends up revolving around. Yeah. We won't quite get into that yet. But up until that point, which I think is a take-it-or-leave-it moment for this film... Very much leave um, it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But up until that point, this is a pretty effective monster movie... Set in Ireland. It's great. It's got it's all very, the right very notes. Good. Yeah, it really does. Even that first scene where um where the, the fishing crew are being picked off one by one and the, the skipper gets dragged overboard and the young deckhand goes, Skipper, da I, something about an Irish person just going da in terror. Like that that nearly got me. That that really spoke to me on an Irish level. Michael, rarely does the opening kill shots of a horror film, because that's what they are. They're, they're no-name characters that get wiped out to show you the threat that the monster, supernatural entity, alien, whatever it is, represents. Mm. You, you, get, you see it very, very quickly at the beginning. It establishes that this thing is a threat. It's very capable of killing things. And it's usually a bunch of throwaway characters. If it's not a group of teenagers, it's a group of college frat boys. If it's not a group of college frat boys, it's a group of bullies or dickheads from the town. Or fishermen. Or fishermen in this case. Michael, I cared so much about the three men on that boat. I was he devastated. Says, ah, when your man gets pulled over. I was devastated. In terms, Michael, of a representation of a small Irish town, fuck me, not bad. I mean, stereotypical. Very much. Yeah, and but not bad. <laughs> not as many 
Islanders in the cast as you might like for it to be. Yeah. I'm sure to our Dublin sensibilities, Ben, where most of the cast are played by Dubliners, probably seems pretty authentic. Pretty it's probably so. as authentic a representation of Irish island life as you would get if we made it. Yeah, we'd be way worse. We'd make a yeah, much yeah, worse film. Yeah, but on purpose. But pretty good, though. Considering, like... The, the your woman from the 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 inn, the wife from the inn, is very clearly a Dubliner doing a big joke of a of a culty accent. She really is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's hamming it up big time. Ah, it's Brona and Gallagher though. Brona Gallagher's been is. hamming it up for decades. Decades. She was hamming it up in the commitments, Ben. So yeah. she has a pass. She has a special Irish cinematic pass. Full Irish pass. Not allowed to criticise her. But you know who you have to give credit to? Go on. Richard Coyle. He fucking nails it, Michael the Bastard. Absolute one of the best performances of an Irishman by an Englishman I've ever seen. It's not flawless, but it's pretty good. I didn't want to give it to him. I didn't, (laughs) but I have to give it to him. He did a great job. It's pretty good. And this is an English character actor playing the most stereotypical thing you could imagine of an Irishman a drunk guard yeah and somehow manages to get away with it somehow feels more real than the actor what's his name Russell Torvey Russell Tavoy is it is that how he pronounces it (coughs) Tavoy Tavoy Oh, sure. No, he's English. It's, it's Torvey. Um, it's not. So there's Russell no or. Torvey, Ben. What? There's no or. Oh, is there not? No, there it's is. T-O-V-E-Y. Is it? Yes. But the English are always putting R's into things that don't have R's. Okay, Russell Torvey it is. That'll teach him. Yeah. 800 they're years. Their, they're always sticking their R's in, Ben, where they're not wanted. Hey. But anyway, he is a much less... Co- actual Englishman is a much less convincing Englishman because he's been saddled with an English stereotype. Yeah, not ideal. He he actually feels out of place even more than you would expect for a British man on a an Irish rural community. I think it's just because it doesn't suit him to play that role. It's very strange. Mm, very, very odd. And I have to say, Ben, a fabulous performance from Ruth Bradley. As Detective Garda Lisa, what's her name? Lisa, Lisa Nolan. Lisa, Lisa Nolan. Nolan. Incredible performance from uptight Garda to one of the best drunk performances I've ever seen. Michael, one of my favourite things, one of the things that really established the realism of this film for me is that her name is Garda Lisa Nolan. I was like, that's the most Irish Vanguard name I've ever you can't heard. Say Vanguard, oh, can you You're not, not called Vanguards anymore. anymore. No, Ben. They haven't been Vanguard since the 90s, you absolute Shit. misogynist. Shit. I was, Sorry, Ben, lads. I had a joke Amasses. planned for later. I was going to say, then the Lady Garda, or Vanguarda, as Ben says, comes up. <laughs> oh, fuck, that, that's so That was bad. going to be the joke I was going to do, and Shit. now you've just done it yourself. I've just been a misogynist. I'm sorry. You just I genuinely apologise for that. But no, she's great. She's great. Now, Ben, can we talk about the monsters? Yeah, these are... This, this has all the beats of a classic B-movie monster, and I'm here for it. It's tremors. It's tremors. It is. It's tremors from space. It's it's wet tremors. Wet tremors. <laughs> Wemmers. 
wet tremors. Something Ben has never given a lady. Anyway. <laughs> That's worse. That's worse than my Vanguard thing. You're a misogynist. <laughs> Get fucked. I think it is. Um, so anyway, Ben, the wet yeah. tremors, they're, uh, they're, they're just little Chithulu fellas. They're ju- yeah, they're just little Chithulus. They're little Shumagoraths for the Marvel yeah. fans. They are baby Cthulhu's, essentially, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're fine. They're they're nothing special. I mean, it's not the monsters in these isn't, aren't the draw. No, not at all. It's, it's it's a character piece in the face of a weird creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, you know, it's it's not quite as good as Tremors, but it's pretty good. What I what I love about it is they they try to establish it as a scientific animal thing because Ru- Russell Tavoy's character Smythe Smith, um, Smith. There's a very no there's a very interesting thing where some of the characters in the film call him Smythe, and I'm just oh, like yeah because the, I, I and I think that's a very uh, a subtle little nod towards Irish people like oh, fucking Smith with a Y Smythe, um I I think there's a little bit going on there but he tries to be very matter of fact about it and. In the end, they do things that animals don't do. Um, there's one horrific moment in this, Michael, that really established the tone for me. And I, I can't get into it without spoilers. But it involves Ned Dennehy's character of Cooney. Cooney? Who was Cooney? He was the fella that ran the building site. Oh, yeah. And there was one scene in it where I went, Oh, Jesus Christ, that's fucking dark. Oh, mm. my goodness, that's dark. And I was surprised at how... For a horror comedy, and it's very much a horror comedy, the entire resolution of the plot is comedy. Um, yes. and But the horror elements of it are surprisingly, especially in the, the first 40 minutes, surprisingly yes. gruesome and terrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I think the... F- let's get into spoilers, Ben. Let's Go on. get into spoilers and talk about... There. Let's talk about the big thing. It's not a twist, because I think the trailer led with this. Oh, it did. Heavily. Heavily. But I don't think the film necessarily does, and I think you might actually enjoy the film more if you don't know this is coming. Yeah, I did. I, I knew it was coming, but I enjoyed the film more than I enjoyed the trailer. I was expecting something very different from the trailer I was given. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the the big twist or the... Yeah, I I mean twist as in twist on the genre rather than twist in the plot. Mm-hmm. The twist in the genre here is that the monsters aren't, you know, for example, deaf, so you can be quiet to escape them. Yeah. Or they're not, uh, like, they're not, they don't work on sight, so you can close your eyes to avoid them. In this, the monsters are allergic to alcohol. So the only way to save yourself is to get slaughtered drunk. I it's it's such an interesting because they really commit to it as well. That you, it's not just that you have alcohol in your system; you have to be obliterated. Like you have to you raise have to your blood alcohol level to an unholy amount. Very Irish. Very Irish. And I thought we were going to get a bit more. Ah, Jesus! All these paddies are very silly. Yes. I really thought that the lads were going to lean into it. They don't so much. There, a little bit. There's a few of them that do it. But there's also a real core of humanity to a lot of the characters. Um, it's it's revealed to us about, mid, I'd say midway through the film, that uh, Garda Lisa Nolan uh, has never had a drink. She doesn't touch the stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that fascinated me, Michael, very, very strange detail to notice, but... 
when they're on the altar and they're trying to get all the parishioners to join them in the bar, her eyes are glassy. Yeah, she probably was drunk. Ben. She she could have been absolutely scundered. But I remember looking at that going, Jesus, that's some fucking detail to lock in, lads. That's very good. How did they do that? Maybe, maybe Ruth Bradley was just fucking ossified. I don't know. She might have been absolutely fucking hammered out of it, Ben. But it was a very good detail. Um, the, the fucking grabbers are great. The, Go on. The grabbers themselves are some great creature design. They're genuinely terrifying. I didn't think they were that great. I I get it. Like, they're big octopusy Shumagorath men. Yeah. But they're not up there with a Tremors or an alien or a... You know, they're not all-time classic monster movie monsters. I think they might do a bit too... I think they're a bit too generic to give us all-time horror classics. Yeah. They've got a good grabby thing going on, though. Yeah. So, I think this is... I I could not help but watch this, Michael... And think of 2011's Attack the Block. Go on. I think that this is very much an Irish attempt at an Attack the Block. A small community targeted by an alien that is that represents a very real, visceral, violent threat. So in London, they get all gangster on it. But in Ireland, everyone just gets ossified. But it's to the same level of stereotype. That's what I thought was interesting. If you look at Attack the Block, Attack the Block is not a positive representation of inner city life. Um, Because the central conceit of Attack the Block, and I suppose the straight person in that, is the young woman who lives in the flats and is at the mercy of young fellas who are socioeconomically disadvantaged. Is that John Boyega in that? It's John Boyega, yeah. It's one of John Boyega. I think it's his breakthrough kind of big cinema moment. Oh, very good. I think. I could be wrong on that. But the the two films feel remarkably thematically and kind of plot similar. They're, They're remarkably in line with each other. And this is very much an attempt at that. I thought the special effects held up very well for a film that's 11 years old. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. 11 years old, low budget. Lotto money. Uh, yeah, I, I think it went pretty well. I enjoyed the comedic element of the baby grabbers. Like, they're quite funny. Like, there's a there's a very strange scene where Ruth Bradley has the nail gun and she just sticks one of them to the bar. And I found myself going, ah, oh, the poor little thing. And then I went, no, no, no sympathy make, for the small squeaky thing. They make very much gremlins noises. They do, they do. The noises are in this are flat out of gremlins. In fact, the whole it's quite a good soundtrack. Michael, 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 it's a Christmas what? song. What is? The 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 theme song of this, I remember listening to it, and I can't remember which one it is. I was supposed to write this down. The the theme song of Grabbers is a stretched out upper keyed Christmas song. Is it? Get out it's of here. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. Go back and watch the opening scene where uh, Lisa Nolan, guard Gar- Lisa Nolan gets off the boat. The entire opening is I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus in a in an elongated key. It's very funny. Get out of here, Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of guard Lisa Nolan, isn't it the most unearned romance of all cinema history? So this is this is one of the greatest flaws, Michael. They spent too much time building up the threat of these creatures and forgot to put their B plot in. And then they were like, and she'll get hammered and admit she fancies him. Yeah. <laughs> Gas. Like the whole thing takes place over about a couple of hours. It's it's a it's a forty eight hour film. Yeah. 
And, and like, she starts out perfectly reasonably more attracted, attracted to the polite, gentlemanly, handsome, employed Dr. Smith. Which is fair. Totally fair, totally fine. But then we find out he's English and... For some reason, he gets a very poor send-off. He gets an incredibly mean send-off. Doesn't he? It, for a man who made such an effort, Michael. An incredibly mean send-off. <laughs> so, I think one of the things I both appreciated and hated about the film was... The the bigger... So, the, the male-female dynamic of the grabbers is interesting in itself. Go on. And the male grabber being a much bigger, threatening creature is interesting, if not necessarily true to nature all the time. Um, generally, we find that female versions of certain species are much bigger, no? That's an interesting statement to make with no backup. But no, all right, go on. Anyway, but in this particular case, it comes out and it just decimates things. It's not interested in feeding. It's interested in fucking shit up half the time. <laughs> Benjamin, when you say generally the females are bigger, are you just scared of giant women? Is that what you're suggesting? No, not at all. Um, if anything, <laughs> it's the opposite. Um, but it, giant, giant women are scared of you? Yes. It's a, <laughs> it's a mouse and elephant dynamic. It's very strange. Okay, right, um, right, right, right. But come here to me. The One of the things I hated was it happens to Russell Tavoy and it happens to the doctor. They are They're the same person. Uh, no, there's, oh, the, there's the village doctor and then there's Russell yeah. Tavoy, who is mm. the marine biologist. Yeah. So it happens to both of them that they think it's definitely they're... definitely um, It could be. It happens to both of them as a result of, you know, they go out, they get so drunk to defend themselves that they lose reasoning. And I find that quite interesting that it's both of the intelligent men of the village that are yeah. the ones... One of them goes out to take a piss... Because he just yep. has to. And he gets eviscerated by the big one. He survives the little one, only for him to be dispatched quite meanly as well. He just gets yeah. devoured. And not even for food. He just gets decapitated by the big thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it does eat him. It just seems to not eat heads. Oh, okay. It just chucks out the heads. All right. It fair seems enough. to just chuck out the heads. There is a there is a little hint of anti-intellectualism, though. It's like, get the doctors and the scientists. and There's, There and is the a dr- bit... The drunks and the women will be grand. There is a bit. And then the the meanest death is definitely Smith, who just gets punted a mile away. He just gets... Yeah. Because it, I it think that was played like that, Benjamin, so that some people in the audience could say, fuck off, back to England. Yeah, no, it definitely was. In fact, I'd say there was a, a line <laughs> in, in the original draft and went, no, we did make this with the BFI, so we can't really lean yeah. into it that much <laughs> because I, there's, there's also, def- also lads I'm actually English I know I'm quite I'm doing quite a convincing Irish accent here but I actually am English yeah I don't know maybe Richard Coyle just turned around and said I don't know if I can say that I'm not sure that's appropriate I don't know um, Richard Coyle has kind of made his career off of playing various countries surrounding England he's been a Welshman in another um in another kind of famous English sitcom from the BBC. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, that's him. That's that fellow. I, I know the fellow you're talking about. It, ben. Yeah. Well, you try to remember that. And as just as a, a last thing to say about this film, because it's quite good and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. But um, Dublin's own Ruth Bradley. Yeah. Had, she delivers the finest delivery of the word cunt in a film I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Come on. 
she drags about four or five sen- seconds out of it. Yeah. And, you know, right at the very end, she's driving a big mechanical loader. And it's a, the whole thing is a homage. The whole thing kind of breaks down into homage of famous monster movies. Yes. Yeah. But she obviously is doing a homage of the uh, the famous scene from Aliens, the famous get away from her, you bitch. Yes. But instead she screams, get away from her, you can't. And then sorts it out. <laughs> so unexpected and so funny. It's gas. Genuinely hilarious. Ben. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? Go on. You know what's more scary than, than grabby monsters from the sea? No, go on, tell me. Flipping spiders. Ah! There's one there on you. Oh, no! Not you. The listener. Yes. Listener, quickly, look to your left or right. It's on you. It's, it's on, on your you. arm or hair. It's somewhere on your person. Benjamin, as long as there's been people, there's been spiders. Ah, yeah. Uh, longer, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you what people don't like. Spiders. Absolutely fucking hate them. Yeah, there's a whole phobia named after them, Michael. What's it called? Spider phobia? Yeah, that's it. Got it in one. <laughs> Got it in one. Spider phobia. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. I'm glad we did this episode. Yep, yeah, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Spiders are bad. Bye-bye. Now, Benjamin, I don't think spiders are bad because they actually help the environment, for example. Essential to it, in fact, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Part of the whole circle of life, the balance of nature. Yes. Very good. I'm not afraid of spiders, Ben, in the slightest. The fascinating podcast facts there for the listeners. Um, Michael, what are we talking about? We're talking about, Ben, it's Halloween and we're talking about spooky things. So we're yeah. talking about why are people afraid of spiders? So there's a fair few reasons and for that, Michael. Culturally speaking, it goes go way, way back. Oh, go on. Now, it depends on which culture you're involved in, Michael. Certain cultures have vilified this entirely through folklore and mythology, and other cultures embrace them as quite a positive uh, arachnid um, or a, quite a positive creature. It depends on which culture you go through. So, in Western cultures, we've really gone for spiders are a symbol of evil. We don't want them near us. We don't want them near us. It has really, really leaned in to oh, spiders are a symbol of the demonic a symbol of uh, evil a symbol of death decay etc and that's very much a literary conceit from the western canon that pushed itself forward and it it, it specifically Michael emerged during medieval times um, so in and around the 13th century Michael we began to see representations of spiders as demonic as strange um, not only in kind of the canons of Middle English or Early English as the case may be we also saw it in things like Dante's work in Italy um, the, in the Inferno there is a very particular type of demon that is said to be spider-like um, and we see it in a lot of Irish manuscripts as well and we suddenly see the appearance of spiders as kind of uh, just an absolute ringer for oh this is hellspawn shouldn't shouldn't deal with that and there are a lot of theories on why on earth this would be um go on so there are three possibilities michael three possibilities number one if you're looking for something that is alien by comparison to just about everything else spiders are pretty fucking good spiders move differently to us spiders act differently to other creatures they bring fluids out of their body they can be venomous in certain cases it's a very alien terrestrial form 
Yeah, very few spiders are really venomous. All spiders are pretty much venomous to some degree, but very few are dangerous to humans. Very few. Yeah. So very, very, very few. Very, very, very few. However, we're talking about the middle or the the dark ages, Michael, when any kind of scientific progress was kind of on hold, and you were just like, "Oh, that's a demon. That's a baby demon spawn." <laughs> oh no. Yeah, but I mean, Europeans during the Middle Ages, this is a very interesting topic, but, but Europeans during the Middle Ages weren't seeing big spiders. No, they weren't. Europe doesn't have big spiders. No, it doesn't. Would not, like, the biggest spider you'll find in Europe is about the size of a computer mouse. Yes. Like, legs included. Yes. Like, we're just not getting big, dangerous spiders in Europe. Well, we get, we get ones that cause a pain in the ball, though, like the false widow, Michael. False widows, Ben, are about as dangerous as a bee. Yes, but it's still a venomous little creature that it sinks its little fangs into you. Yeah, but I mean, you're more likely to be killed by a donkey. Yeah, I don't don't mess with donkeys. We'll get on to we'll get, we should get into donkeys as a symbol of witchcraft in another episode, Michael. That'd be that'd be a That's lot true. of fun. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the second interesting one, Michael, is uh, during the plague. The bubonic plague, to yeah. be specific. Um, one of the things they noticed was, very often, when somebody died of the plague, nobody knew for a very long time. Go on. Um, you wouldn't notice. If you were in a condemned plague village, Michael, you might die inside your home. And out, out of the course of a week, Michael, you might then be discovered when they hadn't seen John Smith in a week. They'd go, oh, fuck. Reckon that might be the plague. Um, no, the plague's got him. And then when they went into the house, Michael... The house would be in a state of untidy because it hadn't been cleaned in, say, a week or two weeks. And what Mm. would you might most likely see in a house that hadn't been dusted in a while? Footprints. Maybe. Um, No, spiders, Michael. You get loads of spiders that had settled into the Mm. house. Their their cobwebs hadn't been cleaned. Um, They would have taken up residence in rafters and such. And so it became aligned with the plague. People thought that spiders were drawn to plagues or that spiders were a symptom of plagues or that the plague was a symptom of spiders. There were a lot of kind of mixed messaging. All it was was nobody was dusting. But Ben, here's the thing, right? Well, I know a few people who are utterly terrified of spiders and they don't look at a spider and go, oh, that reminds me vaguely of the plague. No, but we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about false corollaries, Michael, during a time of plague where people would have I know, found... I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying, but what I'm saying is you can't kind of ignore the visceral reaction to spiders. Oh, no, but we're not a podcast that looks at the actual innate instinctual fear of spiders that some people possess, Michael. We're a, po- a podcast that looks at the pop culture stories of certain elements. And in this particular case, in Western canon, how spiders became associated with evil is what we've been talking about. Mm. Benjamin, have you seen the 1992 film Arachnophobia? I have, yeah. 1990? Yeah, with Jeff Daniels. With Jeff Daniels in it, Ben? Yes. Or is it Jeff Bridges? It's Jeff Daniels. It is Jeff Daniels. I watched it the other day for this very podcast, Ben. And you know what I would love to see? What? I would love to see a film where a kind of uptight out-of-towner comes into the town and has a series of hijinks of getting used to the series of local characters, mm-hmm. including a snooty local doctor and, uh, you know, some nice characters and some some weird characters. <laughs> and meanwhile, while all of this is happening, a, a series of gross killings is happening in the background. And it all accumulates in a showdown between the heroes and gross, gribbly monsters. Yeah, Michael, we watched it this week. It's called Grabbers. 
Yeah, well, I watched Arachnophobia too, and that's also <laughs> the plot of that film because it's a classic horror B movie, but it's just normal spiders mostly. That's the thing that always got me about Arachnophobia, and it's the thing that unnerved me wholly. Again, Michael, I saw it on like a 9 p.m. matinee on RTE once upon a time because I was only born so the year before this film came out, so I didn't see it when I was. I didn't see it when it came yeah. out, obviously. Uh, but they're so normal. There's just there's just a there's just an outpouring of little normal spiders causing havoc. Yeah, it's like oh shit, little normal spiders. But they're very venomous. But they're just little normal spiders. They were played by New Zealand spiders, Ben. They all oh. got little spider passports. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. They all got little spider passports. Little, little, little kiwi spider photos. I'm gonna bite you. I'm gonna bite you on your arms because you only got two arms. I've got eight. Just, just a little Arms. nibble. No, that was... I don't know where <laughs> that was going. Anyway, tell me more about Arachnophobia with Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels is in it, Ben, and he plays the doctor, and he's like, there's fucking spiders. And everyone's like, there's not spiders. stopping such an outsider. <laughs> there's not spiders. That's, that's the story. That's the story of Arachnophobia. That's he's it. like, I swear, there's fucking spiders. And everyone's like, there's not spiders, you big city doctor. How does it get out again? What What happens? It's Venezuela, Ben. It's a Venezuelan they, spider, isn't it? It's a, Venez, it's a Venezuelan spider. So there's a scientific expedi- expedition to Venezuela. So this opens in classic 1990s Amblin entertainment with a trip to a sweaty foreign country. And people speaking in Spanish saying, no. <laughs> no. And, uh, and, um, and they find a new spider species and it's highly aggressive. And one of them bites the cameraman. Dun, dun, dun. And he dies. Aw. And the spider gets into his coffin, Ben, and goes back to his hometown with him. Ah, yeah, that'd do it. And then in the hometown, it mates with a commoner garden house spider that Jeff Daniels' wife doesn't kill. Oh, yeah. And then it produces a strain of incredibly aggressive eusocial spiders. What's eusocial mean, Michael? Tell me more. They're, they're in, in arachnophobia, Ben. They're, um, they're not male or female. It's a hive like bees or wasps. Oh, I didn't know spiders could do that. Can they do that? Sorry, no, they can't, no. no. Not not male or female. They're still male or female, but they don't have sexual organs. They're drones, essentially. Oh, okay, I see. Um, soldiers, in a way. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and the spiders are coming out, lepping at you and biting you and doing horrible, gross things, and this terrified a whole generation. This did for spiders what Jaws did for sharks. No good. This ruined Spider's reputation for a generation, this film. I, Michael, spiders are probably the most common fear that I encounter in day-to-day life from other people, where they're just like, no, I can't deal with spiders, I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, but Ben, that's because of your pocket of spiders. Ben Colomy's famous pocket of spiders. I just collect the like, ones I find on the way, and then I put them in the garden when I get home so they have a nice, safe yeah. place to live. But you can't be going up to people and say, here, guess what's in my pocket? And then they go, what is it? Is it sweets? And you go, no, it's spiders. You do something 16 times and all of a sudden you're the guy with a pocket full of spiders. What a load of bollocks. Ben Free Colopy's speech, Michael. I'm going to get Jason Statham in here to sort this out. <laughs> anyway, Ben, you know what's great about this film, though? Go on. There's a character in it of... Um, the There's a coach, an American football coach. And he has a daughter who... I don't know, she's probably in her late teens. As daughters and often even are. Though this... As they so often are. And she's like a blonde cheerleader type and she's dumb as a brick. Classic America. Even though this is a family-friendly, light comedy horror, 
There's a nudie shower scene. Ah, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the 90s were so unnecessarily sexy. Rampantly predatory, Michael. <laughs> Including, Ben, a very close-up shot of some underboob and a spider being washed down the front of her ah. as the camera pans down her nude. Now, there's no nipples, Ben. Now, you couldn't have a nipple in a 90s film. Couldn't have a nipple in the 90s. But it, it just took me back immediately to everything being unnecessarily sexy. It's so unnecessarily sexy in the 90s, Michael. And it has Jeff Bridges in it. Unnes- no, not Jeff Bridges. Jeff the other Daniels. Jeff unnecessarily Daniels. sexy Jeff Daniels. <laughs> unnecessarily sexy, Ben. What I always love about Jeff Daniels in anything, Michael, and this is this is probably quite unfair to noted actor of the 90s, Jeff Daniels. Yes. But he was cast quite often in the 90s as the male kind of lead. Yeah. And the romantic interest in a lot of them. And I often yeah. went, Jeff Daniels, really? <laughs> Jeff. That's, that's a choice. That doesn't, <laughs> that's, that's a choice. It's not, it's not what, not, he doesn't even have a pocket full of spiders. He doesn't, how does he expect to talk to women if he hasn't even got a pocket full of spiders? <laughs> I wasn't implying, Ben, that this was a thing you did to women, it was just anyone. Oh no, it's it's mainly women. Mainly women, elderly women. I just feel that elderly women would be more interested in a pocket full of spiders. <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard the song, I got a pocket, got a pocket full of spiders? That's yeah. actually about you. Or the famous adage, a pocket full of spiders a day keeps everyone away. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fucking wrap it up there, why don't we? We're not going to top that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you or anyone you know would like a pocket full of spiders sent to you, you can get in touch with us and let us know in the following ways. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. Ben, don't forget about Shelob. Shelob is a big old spider. If you'd like me to send you Shelob in the post, you can get in touch with us in some other ways. You can find us on the interwebs at our second website. We've got so many websites, Michael. Two websites. Two websites. So many webs. It's almost like we're spiders ourselves. Uh, come here. You can find us on the Acast website for this podcast. Your luxury listen podcast and just click on the Acast link. We're up there as click well. On there as well uh, ladies and gentlemen you can get in touch with us on Instagram where we've just crossed over 800 followers you can get in touch and add oh. that number if you'd like um, you can find us there and we are there at your Luxury Listen podcast yeah we are that's true you can find it's us on fact. TikTok at your Luxury Listen you, apparently allegedly full yeah. of spiders though uh, we're up there on YouTube as well. You can leave us a comment wherever you like. But the best way, ladies and gentlemen, to get in touch with us is to hop up on that Discord. One of the best ways to get your Desert Island pics noticed by Ben. Yeah, or to give out to me and call me a twat for not posting your Desert Island pics <laughs> in the first place. It's a great place to do it. Cron, I can only apologise profusely once more. Michael... What is it? Next week. Yes. We are taking a look at the enduring appeal of Frankenstein. Oh, Frankenstein. Yes. And we're also, as a further to our series of things that go bump in the night, taking a look at The Hallow, where another Englishman takes on the Irish horror scene. Oh, very good, Ben. Can I watch uh, Frankenstein 2020? Yeah, you can. With the 2010s Jeff Daniels, Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart, who was supposed to be something once upon a time. They kept trying to make him happen. Never did. Never yeah. did. That's pocket full of spiders. So that's what we're taking. Pocket full of spiders. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Watch out for them spiders.